Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. This is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk today. I'm here with Yaz. Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> so, where were you originally born? I was born in Chevy Chase, Maryland. Mm-hmm. I lived there until I was six, and then I moved to Lexington, Massachusetts, where the revolution happened. Yeah. So, it's like a super historic place. Um, I was there until I was 18, mm-hmm. and then I moved over here. To and, go to school. yeah, and your parents are both immigrants, right? Yes. Or? My mom's Japanese and mm-hmm. my dad's Arabic, so like two totally different yeah, cultures, but so also different. very, very similar in terms of like values. I think that's why they kind of get along. Yeah, because um, it's really strict. Yeah, <laughs> very, very strict. I know. <laughs> How did they meet originally? Um, they met in Japan. It's a funny story. My mom apparently walked out of an elevator in Japan at the company she worked for at the time, and then my father was like in the lobby of wherever the elevator oh my gosh. was. And he saw her and he said it was like love at first sight. Oh. She doesn't think so. I, <laughs> Japanese people are not very like affectionate. Yeah, yeah. You know, she barely hugs me. <laughs> so, My mom um, also. Right? It's yeah. like totally such a thing. It's like, like a weird embrace. Yeah, and they like pat you on the yeah. back and they're, they have no idea what to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he chased her for five years. Oh, wow. And then she finally agreed to like have a date with him after five years. Mm-hmm. And they've been together for like 30 years now. Oh, that's so, so it's, sweet. it's like a funny story. Yeah. yeah. And her dad's in the energy sector, is it? Or? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, is, he is in the what energy sector. What does he sector. do? Or? Um, you know, it's kind of above my head. It's very scientific. But mm-hmm. essentially, he creates platforms for, um, like, access to renewable energy. If okay, that makes yeah. Sense. So he works on all kinds of different projects. It's not really like one or the other. Sometimes he's like involved in developing infrastructure. Sometimes he's involved in like creating new platforms that make it easier for the energy sector or whatever that might entail. So he does also, he like really is across the board, but he's worked with like a bunch of different governments, a bunch mm. of different energy companies, like even the ones we've heard of, like yeah. Shell and like whatever. So, wow. yeah, he's a really, really mm-hmm. smart guy. The apple fell far from the tree. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't even do math. <laughs> so it's funny. And what what age did they move here? Um, Was it through they, their jobs that they moved here? They actually moved here when my mom got pregnant with me, because mm-hmm. everyone else in my family is an immigrant, and they wanted me yeah. to have a U.S citizenship mm-hmm. just in case like anything were to ever happen to me the government would take care of me right yeah if you're a u.s citizen so they moved here in like 92 mm-hmm. they had me in 93 and then um yeah yeah and your mom's what well, has a is a chef and yeah she, she yeah. yeah she uh she used to be part of a restaurant um in japan like her family owned like a restaurant oh wow. unfortunately everything kind of went down after the earthquake that happened back in like what was it like 2015 yeah. or something um. but um she works alongside my dad now she kind of manages like all of his work and they're kind of like a little symbiotic team mm-hmm. oh that's and so, so sweet. i think it's cool because my parents relationship and dynamic is like probably a little different than like other people's parents yeah because they work together so they have this like profound respect for each other mm-hmm. that like 
affects every part of their yeah. relationship. So it's way more of like a partnership than it is like a relationship, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I like that yeah. though. Was it from your mom that you got into music? Yes. Um, my grandpa on my mother's side was a violinist mm -hmm. and my sister used to play piano like at a pretty high level and yeah. so time came like for me everyone in my family like all my siblings I have three other siblings but everyone was really good at something yeah like your was your brothers her athletes or yes yeah. yeah so I had one brother that did like professional soccer I had another brother that um, loved playing football. My sister was a pianist and like a really good artist, like painting mm -hmm. and oil canvas and stuff. And so my time came and I was like, I have to be good at something, yeah. right? So I remember I was six years old and I went to um, school, kindergarten for the first time. I didn't speak English. And so like, I was kind of scared of going to school. Yeah. There was this girl that I became friends with. She was like my first friend in school. And she played violin, so I was like, I want to play a violin. Mm -hmm. Or I wanted to play cello at first, and then my mom's car wasn't big enough, so I played oh. violin. <laughs> Which is a really funny story now, because like the majority of like the work I've done yeah. is like all violin-based. Um, so yeah, I got into that, and then my mom really, really committed to it. You know how Asian moms get yeah. like went to every lesson every week. Oh my god! Made sure you practice, and if you didn't, yeah. you wouldn't get fed. Like yeah. it was like a whole thing, and. So I played like classical music up until I was 18. Did it and click to you? Like, did you already love it so much? Like, even if your mom made you like practice it, you didn't mind it? Well, you know, it's funny that you asked that because I feel like I hated it up until I was 16. Oh. I really felt like I was just doing something because I knew that it would help with my college applications. Mm -hmm. And like, my parents just told me that I had to do it and I just happened to be like pretty okay at it. Yeah. So. I would continue. It didn't really change for me up until, I've always been in orchestras growing up, and um, I started being in orchestras that toured like around the world and stuff. Yeah, you went to like all over Europe too. Yeah, I did, I did. That was during high school? Yeah, that was during high school. That's crazy. And so we got to tour and we got to play all these like incredible classical symphonies that like I just, that resonated with me in a different level I think. Mm -hmm. That's when I really started liking it and I started, um, you know, sitting in better seats in the orchestra and like having like leadership positions and it really made me feel like, oh, like maybe I can see myself doing this, you mm -hmm. know? And um, there was like a really pivotal moment for me. I think I was 17 or 18 at the time, but I was on tour in Vienna um, and it was like right after my grandmother passed away or something and like her last words when she had passed away is like, I can hear it. And we had no idea what she was saying. Mm -hmm. We're like, what is she talking about? And I, when I was playing in this place called the Musique Verein in Vienna, I like, I don't know how to explain it, but I felt something. Yeah. You know, and I couldn't help but feel like, not to sound corny, but I couldn't help but feel like you telling me already. My, my grandma was there. Oh. And I feel like that was like the moment. I just like felt like something kind of extraordinary. I'm not really like a huge believer like of religion or anything but mm -hmm. it was just like there's something bigger here yeah and I was like I think I'm gonna do music like continuing forward mm -hmm. so after that I came to UCLA yeah actually what was when did you perform at Carnegie Hall and how was Carnegie that? Uh, I would think I was like 15 or 16 as wow. part of like another orchestral series yeah. I don't even remember. I've just played like so many yeah, things like that. Yeah, didn't even like click to you. It's like so much. No. So crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I got really lucky at like a very young age to have all these like opportunities, like mm -hmm. you know, going all the way to like Europe to play and like 
also being able to perform at Carnegie Hall and just like really playing these like incredible pieces you yeah. know that's something I really miss a lot not being part of the classical mm -hmm. world now is like I don't get to be in that big environment where you felt like part of something bigger and like you know bringing together like an emotion together like yeah. that I really do miss that a mm -hmm. lot yeah. actually back then in a previous interview you said they had difficulties like making friendships and that's how you got more into the music right here in high school yeah, I mean, definitely, like, I was not a popular kid in mm -hmm. high school. I was not, like, by any means, like, an outcast, but it was just, mm -hmm. like, I was there, you know? Yeah. And I had a hard time, like, finding my place. I think part of it was, like, I wasn't really involved in any, like, extracurriculars that weren't music. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to, like, really delve more into the music part because I had friends that were in the orchestras with me and those were the people that I would spend the most time with over the weekend mm -hmm. and like we would go to like summer camps together for like a month during the summer and then we'd travel together so all in all like those people became like my close friends yeah you know? yeah and what made you want to study political science and violin well it's funny um, I didn't care for political science at all but my dad used to be a professor Oh, um, he used to teach a course at Harvard and so he's like very like educator yeah. he's like you're not gonna get like a music degree and not get like a real degree yeah so I was like okay like let's compromise like I'll do poli-sci and then you'll yeah. let me go to school did you but did you like it it's kind of oh. usually people who like study political science are like really into it so. I will say there are a few um, I really liked a class that I took it was called international law mm -hmm. and it was really interesting just to see how all these different countries like interface with each other in the sense of like legality mm -hmm. you know I found it very intriguing just because everyone has different rules and like depending on where you are in the ocean there are different rules mm -hmm. and it was just really intriguing to me and um, ever since I was young I've kind of had an interest in like you know if I were to not do music what would I be doing mm -hmm. I think I'd probably be working as like a human rights lawyer oh that's cool if I could make yeah. a cut you know because <laughs> it's a really cutthroat but um, yeah I've always been interested in like something to help other people just because like mm -hmm. my dad all his life has been working for like people to have free access to energy yeah you know so I grew up in this like this space where it was like always like there has to be something bigger than you mm -hmm. that you are directly affecting yeah and so after I graduated university I actually worked at a non-profit not non-profit I would call it like a consulting firm it's a philanthropic consulting firm mm -hmm. so for two years I was there after college mm -hmm. and actually during college what was the like all-star competition or all-star, oh, yeah. um, It was basically like open to like anyone and you play like a piece of your choosing. Mm -hmm. It would have to be like a classical piece or like yeah. you know something that an orchestra could accompany you. And um, I decided to do it like a few weeks before I think. And I just picked, I picked a piece by Tchaikovsky, one of my favorite mm -hmm. like um, composers ever. It was called Meditation. What was it called? I don't remember actually. <laughs> but um, it was really beautiful. It's like, I like romantic era things. Mm -hmm. And so everything's like really emotional and like maybe a little bit dark. Um, it was called Meditation, I think. But anyway, so I played that. I won. Um, and it was like a few other soloists yeah. too. Wow. And it was cool because they gave me a Stradivarius. It's mm -hmm. like a $6 million violin. 
for like six oh my weeks. Gosh. Yeah. Were you like? Oh my god, I was so, so nervous. But it, you know, when you like have something in your possession, yeah. and like the second and third week, you start treating it like a yeah, little yeah. less. You're like, oh my god, my new phone. I have to like place it. Down yeah, exactly. And then you start throwing it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I low key started getting really like the, not careful. Yeah. What's the difference? Like, could you like can you describe the difference for people who don't know? Yeah. I mean, so there's this like elite. Um, selection of violins, they're called strads. There's only like a few in the world. That's crazy. It's kind of like, probably like, if there were to be like a Bugatti of violins, yeah. that's what it would be. Wow. I will say, if I'm being like completely frank, I preferred my own violin mm. to the Stradivarius, which yeah. is like much less exper expensive than yeah. the Strad. Yeah, what about? But, um, what about it? Did I like it more? Yeah, or like, why didn't you like as much as? I think it's just personal have. preference on yeah. sound. Like, if there's a timbre mm -hmm. to every violin. No violin is the same because they're like pretty much all handmade, right? Yeah. So like, because of the different dimensions, the hollow capacity, like they all, they all sound different. The way they resonate sound yeah. from the wood, and I think the way that my violin sounded was warmer to me mm. and more authentic to me. And I think this happens a lot with like instrumentalists, but you like develop like a symbiosis with the instrument yeah so that it gets to know you just like you get to know it mm -hmm. and like sometimes that chemistry isn't there and sometimes that chemistry is there yeah with the instrument yeah and then what when was it that you performed at the american music awards that was in i think that was my junior year mm -hmm. i was um playing for this uh, guy's name's kurt hugo schneider he's a big youtube guy um, that's kind of how I got my start in like non-classical oh, stuff okay. actually. Um, my buddy had hooked me up with them and they had just needed a violinist to perform with them because they had been sponsored by Coca-Cola I believe. Yeah. And so they just called me and my buddy Joel up and we performed at the AMAs and got to stay. And it was really like an eye-opening thing because I was like, oh like there's something other than classical that's like doable, you know? Mm. And the thing about like classical careers is that there aren't very many lanes to go to. Yeah. You can either become like a soloist and practice your ass off for like 18 hours a day and not have like Insane. a life. You can also like try to develop a group and see like what happens from there. Mm -hmm. Or you could try to get into an orchestra. But the thing about orchestras is that like pretty much everyone that has a seat has like tenure. Yeah. So like unless they die, you don't really get a seat. Yeah. So it's like this joke, this running joke. Sometimes you're like, oh, who do I have to kill to get into the <laughs> orchestra? You know? Yeah. And that didn't really seem like the lifestyle for me. Mm -hmm. And so as I continued to do these like non-classical gigs, I was like, oh, like this could be a good fit for me. Mm -hmm. You know? And so I started primarily as like just doing violin for people, and then slowly that like morphed into I'd start like string arranging for people, composing for people, and then now I'm like producing for people, mm -hmm. and producing for myself, and I have my own stuff coming out too. So it's it's definitely been like a really interesting journey that continues to develop as yeah. as I go, and not necessarily always in places that I think. Mm -hmm. Like last year, I got thrown into a bunch of like hip hop stuff. I never envisioned myself like getting really into deep. Yeah, actually, deep. how did you get more into that stuff? Well, it's funny. So. Kurt, that guy that I mentioned, the YouTube guy, he um, had a buddy that I worked with a lot, Sam Suey, who's also a YouTube guy. Sam Suey had gone to Yale with this buddy that does string arranging for all of the, you know, the more higher up names that I've worked with. Mm -hmm. And so he'd just call me in. So when people say like, yeah, it's all about who you know, I don't think it means like this one entity yeah. that like gets you everything. I think it more means like people that know people will just, your name will just go, continue mm -hmm. to go. And that's kind of like what it's been. It's just like 
word of mouth. I get phone calls like, oh, this so-and-so gave me your number, so-and-so gave me your info. Yeah. And that's just kind of how it's been growing. Yeah. Then how did you meet um, Tiana Taylor? That was through that guy. Oh, that, um, that was yeah, her. Yeah, so Steven, his artist name is Johan. He um, called me in for designer and then called me in for Nas, Tiana Taylor, mm -hmm. like just all those bigger hip-hop names that are yeah. kind of like on my my resume mm -hmm. now. And how did you work with them? Like, what, what was the collaboration like? So depending on, sometimes it would be like, I would go in mm -hmm. and like the artist would be there and then I would just record there. Sometimes it would be remote. Like, I, mm -hmm. we would just do it from Steven's house. Mm -hmm. So it really just depended. So are depended. you like producing it or what's your role So those? for those, I'm a violinist. So oh, okay. I just, um, Steven writes the parts, I come and play the parts. And then that's pretty much like my involvement there. Mm -hmm. I thought they did a lot like on on the computer or something. Yeah, like I mean, strings. Oh or no, a lot of a lot of it is just Stephen and I. Oh, yeah. so I I didn't. Oh wow, I didn't know a lot. They still like record real yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much like the work that I do now mm -hmm. for for like money. Right now is a lot of like. I come in, I either like write my own parts or someone else. Pretty much Johan is the only one that I go in and I play his parts. Yeah. Most of the other times like I write my own parts. Mm -hmm. You just go in, like have like a designated time, and then you like track your instrument and all that stuff and then you know later on before everything gets like put out you'll like do like a final approval mm -hmm. and then that's pretty much it. What percent of songs these days actually like record live? It really depends on like the strings. budget, the timing. Yeah. I think it really depends on like what the artist envisions too. Mm -hmm. I would say like a lot of people are going more back into this idea of like organic sound right mm -hmm. now. Um, so they're interested in getting like live strings, live guitar, live drums. Like I think there's this whole new reemergence of like real sounds. Yeah. You know? And there's something about a violin. It's kind of like a voice. You can't really get like it's sounding to be like a real violin on um, on a computer, on yeah. software. It, there's always this like human, you know, human mm -hmm. factor that's missing. Which is why I feel like really lucky because people always want like that human factor. Yeah, Because wow. it's a little more warmer and it, there's personality behind it. And how did you start working with San Holo? <laughs> so funny story, I um, remember I was walking, no, I was driving to session. It was actually a session with designer and I was having kind of a bad day before. I think I had broken up with my boyfriend at the time or something and then on my shuffle like one of San Holo's songs had come on oh, and it like brought me like a lot of joy. Which one? Like, it's called B-Song. Oh okay yeah. And I was like this shit is awesome <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm like on my way to the to the gig and I'm like driving and just like dancing in the car and I'm like wow this song made me feel really good. Mm -hmm. I think I'm gonna make a cover of it. And so I put a cover up on Instagram. I had a bunch of people just tag him in it, and yeah. he saw it. Yeah. And that's like basically how our friendship started. Oh. Because um, he came to LA, and he was like, "I want some strings on my my stuff." And so you know, I went to where he was staying, and we we recorded. And then afterwards, were you like, also like coming up with it on the spot? Like yep. you're, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely like, you know, if he didn't like something, he would be like, can we do it this way? And then we'd change it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, a lot of it's like by ear, um, which is fun because like something about like having things unplanned can like lead to even greater ideas because mm -hmm. you're just kind of going off like what you're feeling at that very moment. Yeah. So usually what I like to do, if I get the song in advance, 
I will, you know, like have a few ideas like written out and then I'll just also do things on the spot there. Mm -hmm. But um, with Santa, it was like everything was on the spot. And which songs do you do? I think they want to probably go back and re-listen to some of the songs you were Yeah, yeah. Um, Forever Free with Duskus. I did, um, I did the strings on that. I was really happy because he put like pretty much like the last like 40 seconds. Yeah. It's just me playing strings. Oh, and it so sounds cool. so lovely and I was like, yes! <laughs> and um, there was one more, I think it was called Everything Matters when it comes to you. I think that one might be it. Um, so I did that one as well. That one we did remotely. So he had just sent me something via email mm -hmm. from the Netherlands and I returned like you know files to him yeah but um i was also really lucky because he called me to play at the shrine yeah i had a, i told him i was like you know if you're ever in town and you want like strings for your show and then i think two days before he was like you ready and I was like, <laughs> yes i'm ready and that was like a surreal experience was that your first like oh no well, i guess first edm yeah? yeah it was my first edm performance um just because a lot of the time I'm either like in the studio, mm -hmm. I don't really get to do a lot of like live things for other people. Yeah. I do have something coming up, I can't say who, but I might be seeing people uh, in Indio. Uh, where? At Coachella. Oh, okay. So, that'll be fun, that'll be like another performance like that. But mm -hmm. yeah, Sans was my first. And it was really kind of him, just because it was like 6,000 people, and he yeah, put me like he's right so in the middle. Sweet. Yeah. He is honestly the best. Yeah, something yeah. I really love about him is that, you know, he's been where I am right now, you know, still trying mm -hmm. to develop. And like, so he always gives me insight and like mentorship. Yeah. And always gives me his opinion and is always there for me when I'm like frustrated about stuff. So it's developed into a really like good friendship, mm -hmm. which I feel like very appreciative because a lot of the people that I work with, I only see them like once or twice. Yeah. So I don't really get to interface with them as often as I wish I could, mm -hmm. except Sans made him very accessible yeah. to me. So yeah, I feel really, really lucky that I have like a someone that I look up to that also like believes in me and also like sees potential in me, like keeps on pushing yeah, me. It sounds exactly like him. Yeah. yeah. He's awesome. <laughs> and can you tell me about Sean Mendes and Miley Cyrus at the Grammys and how did it come about? I got a text message, I think. They were like, hi, this is um, the music director for Sean Mendes. Like, are you interested in doing the Grammys? It was like a week before the Grammys. And yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> That's pretty much yeah. everything. The way everything comes is really casual mm -hmm. and almost like comical because it's it just kind of like falls into my lap, which I feel really lucky. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I showed up the day before we had a rehearsal on the day of was the Grammys. Yeah. It was very like streamlined and very separated. Mm. Like we didn't get to like hang out with anyone. It's not like I got to hang out with Shawn Mendes yeah. or anything. Which but, song was it? Um, In My Blood. Oh, Yeah, they okay. had performed it together and I think Miley was like a surprise. So she came on in like the second verse. Wow. But, Is that uh, the first time you've been on TV? Oh no, that's the second, right? After the American Music Awards? Well, I've also done America's Got Talent, like a bunch of like back, yeah. you know, violin in the background kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So I, I guess I've done like shows. But um, I have yet to like hop on like a tour or like yeah. you know do something like big that's on TV like that. Mm -hmm. And can you tell me about Empty Crown and Goldie and Finch? Cool. So um, I had put up an Instagram video of just me making a beat, and San had texted me. He was like, "Do you want to make this longer?" And I was like, "I don't know. Do I? Like, how long do I have?" And he was like, yeah. Three days. 
And that, I remember I was really like overwhelmed. I was like, how am I supposed to like put together a track in three days? Like, mm -hmm. can I do it? You know, cause I usually take forever to like finish something. And by the time it's done, I feel like it's not representative of me anymore. Mm. Just cause I'm, I feel like I might be a little too much of a perfectionist. And so I always want to go back yeah. to like details. Um, so it was kind of refreshing to have this like deadline that was so short <laughs> and I was like, okay, like I'm just gonna put all, all in that I can do and see where it goes. And I ended up like pulling it off. I made it like a, like a full length song and I submitted it and they decided to put it on the Goldie and Finch compilation mm -hmm. that's coming out this Friday, yeah. April 5th. And super excited because I'm like, on the track list with people like Drolo and Tenholo yeah. and just like these people that have always liked their music so much I'm like wow I'm like you know included in something that they're releasing so I feel very privileged for that but um it was nice because this is a lot of firsts for me this is my first like thing that's coming out with a label with Bitbird yeah this is also like the first thing I'm putting out that I produced and I think there's something about like being a female and kind of doing everything. Mm -hmm. People don't really take you seriously a lot when you walk into these rooms. They're kind of like, oh, whose girlfriend is this? Or like, oh. who invited this person? Especially like a lot of hip hop sessions I do, like people don't know that I'm there to play music mm -hmm. until I like whip out whatever I'm doing. Yeah. And so it's really nice to just kind of have this like validation that like you are allowed to like make your own path for yourself you're mm -hmm. allowed to you know if you want to be a producer and you're female you can do it if you want to yeah. be a female anything like you can do it but it is much harder i think you have to work like three times harder as a woman yeah. in the industry wow. and yeah you just have to be like careful of a lot of things like what do i wear like how do i present myself so that they take me seriously like when is it good time to speak up when is it a good time not to you know so it's been you know an ongoing learning experience for me as a female getting going into these rooms because i'm usually the only one oh, and i have a, yeah. a couple other you know friends that are female that are doing similar things that i'm doing and they also feel that way mm -hmm. you know so i think there's like a like a bigger I want to say like movement of getting like mm -hmm. women to be in the same spots. I think the Grammys just put out this like infographic that said like 95% of engineers and mixers are men, 95% oh, yeah. of producers are men. Insane. And like it's time now for like women to get like an equal spot at the table. And so I think it's like a really good time, like culturally, to be like doing something like this. Yeah, that's so true. And actually what do your parents think? Like were they worried after college of you like they probably didn't think that music would be your career, right? They thought you'd just be like getting really good at it, like with violin, but to make it into like a full time and earning off it. I, I'm not sure. They've always been, surprisingly yeah. for immigrant parents, they've always been really supportive. That's you know, rare. yeah, and <laughs> my creative stuff. My parents were yeah. never the types like, if you don't get an A, you're grounded or anything. Mm -hmm. They were. They would let me skip school if I was, you know. They were pretty yeah. relaxed and they were always like, whatever makes you happy. Mm -hmm. And I think it took some time for them to kind of adjust to like what this is. Because I think in their mind, if I was doing music, it was like composing classical music or like being in an orchestra. And so this is like a little bit of a change for them too because this is not what they think music is, yeah. if that makes sense. But that being said, like they've been incredibly supportive. My mom flew in from Kuwait, that's where my parents live now. Um, just to come to my show on the 22nd mm -hmm. and she was like wow I was like just so happy to see like yeah. you doing it you know 
and so I'm really proud of them because like you know as immigrant parents you have standards that you know they're kind of square and set yeah. in your mind and like they have been open and willing to like learn about what I'm mm -hmm. doing and That's like so respect cool. it too yeah. yeah what would you say have been your biggest challenges so far I think overall Mental health is like really. Yeah, that's something you struggle with in college, right? Like working yes, all the jobs definitely. and everything. I think there's this fine line that you walk as a musician or an artist or anything where you have to think you're good enough to continue and you also don't think you're good enough. Mm. So you're continuing to improve. And I think you're always simultaneously walking that line and there are always like doubts that are created. I think. Now, I'm in a spot in my career where I feel like, you know, whatever happens, happens, and I'm on a good path, and I get signs that I'm on a good path, but there are definitely times I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, the pressure that it causes, the societal pressures of, like, being a woman and, like, having to, like, they expect you to look a certain way. Like, I had someone that wanted to manage me, and they were like, you should wear this and this, you should do your hair like this, and yeah. I was like... Well, what, did they tell, what did they tell you to look like? They wanted me to look like something I wasn't, for sure. Mm. And even they wanted to like make my music sound like something I wasn't. They're like, yeah. we want this Katy Perry big anthem. Oh. And I was like, if you know me, you know that's like not what I'm trying to go for, <laughs> you know? And they would be like, maybe you should show a little more skin here. Or just like little things that I didn't feel like were authentic to me. Mm -hmm. And like in my best interest. And so you, you know, you continue to realize like, oh, these people may not have like my best interest in, at heart yeah and so you you know learn to distance yourself from those people but um bit, like one big challenge is like you know continuing to maintain your health like physically and mentally yeah. so that you can continue to make good stuff so when i was in college i had like a bit of a bit of a hard time i had to take some time off school just to kind of get my mental health back in order and really figure out like how do i stay happy and mm -hmm. stay healthy and like what are the preventative measures I have to take that maybe other people don't have to take. So I kind of like stopped drinking, I stopped really like participating in like a lot of recreational drugs, like I just had to do what was best for me. So I started working out a lot, like mm -hmm. two, three times a week. I started trying to eat healthy, I tried sleeping more, um, getting out of relationships and friendships that weren't serving me, that weren't healthy for me. And just making like big girl decisions, I guess. Yeah. And like learning to make those. I've been going to therapy for like every week for like five, six years now at this oh, wow. point. And I think it's super healthy. And I, I, it makes me sad that there's like a bit of a stigma there mm -hmm. of like people thinking like, oh, this means like I'm weak. But I think it's actually the opposite. Like if you are willing to admit that there are things that you need to work on, that there are flaws, that there are personality shortcomings that you could be better at, I think that's an even stronger you know, stronger thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I've been in a good spot now. I've, I've had my shit together for yeah, a little that's bit. that's so good. And I think because I saw the worst of it in college, I know how to, like, not get there. Mm -hmm. And I think as I continue to grow as a musician, I hope I develop a platform where I can, we can talk about these things in, like, a safe space and kind of talk about, like, how there's still stigma, even though there shouldn't be, of, like, you know, sometimes you get sad, sometimes you don't feel good, like, mm -hmm. and, like, how to address those things and, like, co cope with them healthily and just, like, be happy. I think yeah. it's just important to, like, learn how to be happy in your own way and everyone's way is really different. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Last question. What do you want to be remembered for? 
What do I want to be remembered for? Um, I think one of my biggest fears is being mediocre. So I think, you know, as I hope to continue to grow as an artist, I want my music to be something that makes people feel like us alone. Mm. Um, I remember when I was younger and I'd be like going through bouts of sadness or whatever, I would listen to music and it would make me feel like, oh, I'm not the only person that feels like this, you know? And like, it would make me feel not afraid to feel those feelings. And so I can only hope that like I can make music like that, yeah. that makes other people feel like they're not alone, makes other people feel like understood, validated, and like also just like safe space to just like feel your feelings, yeah. you know? Um, and I also want to be remembered for like maybe doing things like that were bigger than my artist project. Like mm -hmm. I'm hoping, I've always had this dream, maybe when I'm like much older and ha like I'm a lot more established, I'd love to like make a school for like mm -hmm. underprivileged youth to like work in music. Oh, that's, that's so good. Yeah. I never got swayed as a young person because I was so busy with music. Nothing ever else caught my attention. So I was never you know, with the people that were probably like starting to do like stuff like pain and heroin in high mm -hmm. school. Not to say that that's like a negative thing, but it it was a good deterrent in terms of like my my life. And like I got this opportunity to do something that was positive and that made me happy. Yeah. And um, when I worked um, at that philanthropic advisory firm, you would see that there was like a lot of underprivileged youth that just, just started hanging out with the wrong people, started doing the wrong stuff and then their lives were like kind of ruined mm -hmm. and I also like meet a lot of people especially in the hip-hop industry that came from that and talk about yeah. like you know like I'm lucky I got here and there are a lot of people back at home that need this help so I'm hoping eventually I have like the tools to maybe like put together a program or a school where like you can learn from the people you admire and like really get invested in doing music and have like the proper people to teach you like what you need to know to like survive if you want to do music you know mm -hmm. there's like no right way but it would definitely have been helpful if there was like more of a guidance I think for people on how to how to do this how to get good at an instrument mm -hmm. how to how to be a producer how to file your taxes yeah. as a musician there's like all these things that like you just kind of learn to learn on your own but it might be helpful and less overwhelming for people if they kind of have like a place. Yeah, you have to do this, it sounds amazing. I know, yeah. I would love to. You know, the, the right people would have to be on the project. There would also have to be like a lot of capital. Mm -hmm. But um, there are all, um, all kinds of projects that are kind of coming up that are like this now. Um, but I would love to like make a school and like maybe some like producers that you really love from mm -hmm. Hollywood will come like once a month. There's yeah. like a, res a residency a where you can like teach them. Yeah. Or like any musicians and maybe there are like specific instruments that you can learn there and like mm -hmm. the people you like will have talks, their lectures, like maybe you can have a mentor. And you know, there's like a lot of ideas in my head of like how we could establish something like that. But mm -hmm. I think that's probably like my life goal. That's like one of my big like in 20 years. Yeah. Like, what would I have liked to have done? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, that and like score a movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're amazing. Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Bye guys. Bye.